Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. HN merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of Sports Yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. It's time for Lombardi Memories. A soda takes you back in time, into January or February, to the greatest one-day spectacle in all sports. This is the uh, podcast that happens maybe every other Tuesday, maybe not. It depends, but usually it's every other Tuesday. In this case, uh, three Tuesdays. And this podcast looks back at each and every one of the 50-plus Super Bowls, tells the story of who won and why. For the fan who needs more than just a box score, this podcast goes drive-by-drive, play-by-play through the most dramatic games in history. I'm your host, Tommy A. Phillips, and you can visit my website at TommyAPhillips.com, where you can find all of my books. Those include Nifty 90s, the stories of an amazing decade in pro football history, which covers this sixth Super Bowl of the decade and the next four as well. Today we have Super Bowl 30, which was held on January 28, 1996 at Sun Devil Stadium in Tempe, Arizona, between two teams who had won four Super Bowls going into this game the AFC champion Pittsburgh Steelers, and the NFC champion Dallas Cowboys. If you're looking for the full story in this 99-5 season, pick up my nifty 90s book and you'll learn more than you ever wanted to know about that year and the rest of the 90s. As always, we have a pop quiz and then homework at the end of the episode. The pop quiz question for today is similar to the one from the last podcast. Which player, not three in a row Super Bowls, but which one, which player was the first player to ever win five Super Bowl rings? Again, not five in a row, just five total. The answer will come at the end of the podcast. The Dallas Cowboys came off a disheartening NFC Championship loss to San Francisco with their eyes focused on the 49ers as the team they'd have to beat to get head coach Barry Switzer to his first Super Bowl. Well, it turned out they didn't need to beat San Francisco because of the way things happened. They started the season 8-1 and and then lost to San Francisco and their backup quarterback, Elvis Gerback. But then they rebounded to win their next two 
And then late in the season had two troublesome losses inside their division, including a 20 to 17 loss to Philadelphia, which uh, in which Switzer was highly criticized for going for it twice on fourth and one place. One of the plays didn't count, but the second one counted and they didn't get it on fourth and one. And the Eagles won the game. And of course, in today's analytics, it would have made perfect sense for him to go for the one, but not at the time. The Cowboys came back with wins in their final two games to clinch home field advantage throughout the NFC playoffs. The divisional round game was easy for Dallas. They crushed Philadelphia 30 to 11. And then they didn't even have to play the 49ers because the Green Bay Packers knocked them out. The NFC Championship game, though, was not so easy. Brett Favre and the Packers gave the Cowboys more all they could handle, taking a three-point lead in the fourth quarter. However, the Cowboys were just too much for Green Bay to handle, and they pulled out a 38-27 victory. They were on to their eighth Super Bowl, most in NFL history at the time. Running back Emmett Smith set the NFL record by scoring 25 touchdowns in 1995, all of them on the ground. He ended up just shy of 1,800 yards. Receiver Michael Irvin had just over 1,600 receiving yards and 10 touchdowns. And quarterback Troy Aikman was as accurate as ever, completing nearly 65% of his passes for over 3,300 yards and 16 touchdowns. This Cowboys team was stacked as owner Jerry Jones tried to prove to everyone that he didn't need Hall of Fame coach Jimmy Johnson to win a Super Bowl. Meanwhile, the AFC provided no powerhouse against Dallas. The team with the best regular season record in the AFC, Kansas City, promptly lost their first playoff game to wildcard Indianapolis on a missed field goal in a 10-7 loss. Actually, three missed field goals. That left Pittsburgh to fill the gap. The Steelers started the season 3-4 and four before winning eight consecutive games to earn a first-round bye. They lost their season finale in Green Bay to end up at 11-5. The Steelers easily defeated Buffalo 40-21 in the divisional round. In the AFC Championship game against the Colts, the Steelers survived the Hail Mary on the final play of the game to hold on for a 20-16 win. They were going to their fifth Super Bowl. Four different quarterbacks threw touchdown passes for Pittsburgh in 1995. The starter was Neil O'Donnell, who threw for just side 3,000 yards and 17 touchdowns. Backups Mike Tomzak and Jim Miller provided solid play behind him. And then there was Slash, Cordell Stewart, who could do anything. Pass, run, catch, or punt. He threw for a touchdown, ran for a touchdown, and caught a touchdown all in the same season. The main receiver was Yancey Figpen, who caught 85 passes for just over 1,300 yards. 
Running back Eric Pegram led the way on the ground with 813 rushing yards. Bam Morris ran for just over 550 yards and a team leading nine touchdowns. Going into this game, everyone figured Dallas would roll to yet another NFC victory in the Super Bowl. They were installed as two touchdown favorites for the Super Bowl. But Pittsburgh head coach Bill Cowher had some tricks up his sleeve that he was ready to pull out against Dallas. Steelers kicked off to begin the game, and Aikman completed his second pass of the game to Urban for 20 yards. Smith, Emmett Smith, took his first carry for 23 yards, his longest run on a grass field all season. Receiver Kevin Williams came up short on a third down reverse, though, so the Cowboys had to settle for a 42-yard field goal by kicker Chris Boniel, and they went up 3-0. Pittsburgh went 3-and-out after receiver Andre Hastings' third down catch came up short of the first down marker. The Cowboys got the ball back at their own 25. Emma Smith started the new drive with a 6-yard run, then Irvin caught one for a first down at Dallas 39. And now it was prime time. Deion Sanders entered the game on offense. And Aikman launched a pass downfield for him, complete for a 47-yard gain. Next, Aikman hit tight end Jay Novacek for a first down inside the three. The Cowboys then got away with what should clearly have been called offensive pass interference on a pick play that helped get Novacek wide open for a three-yard touchdown catch. No call was made, though, by referee Red Cassian's crew, and Dallas took a 10-0 lead. The Steelers got something going when O'Donnell threw to receiver Ernie Mills for a first down at the 39. Morris pounded away for a six-yard gain, but on third down, Cordell Stewart was stopped just side of the first down marker. Coward chose to go for it, though. Cordell Stewart took the snap, executed the quarterback sneak perfectly to keep the ball on offense with a first down. O'Donnell fired to Hastings for another first down, but the Steelers lost all those yards back when center Dramani Dawson snapped the ball over O'Donnell's head for a 13-yard loss. The Steelers had the punt, with Dallas up 10 points after one quarter. Aikman completed a pair of passes to Novacek to start the next drive, including a 13-yarder. Irvin caught one for a first down at the midfield strike, then Smith ran for five more. Next, it was fullback Gerald Johnson. He ran for a first down. After a short game by Emmett Smith on a pass, uh, Johnson caught a third down pass, and Johnston, that is, caught a third down pass, but he was a side, yard side of the first down. So Switzer, now he decides to go for it, and he has Aikman hand off to Daryl Johnston, pounds it right up the middle for a first down. Then on the very next play, Aikman threw an apparent touchdown pass to Michael Irvin, only to have it come back on an offensive pass interference call on Irvin 
for pushing off. Novacek got back 19 yards on a catch, but the Cowboys still had to settle for a 35-yard bonial field goal to make it 13-0. The teams exchanged punts, but the Steelers managed to flip field position, and they started their next drive at the 47. Defensive end Charles Haley sacked O'Donnell, but the quarterback got back most of the yards on a pass to Hastings. Cower again went for it on fourth down, and Stewart got the first down again on the quarterback sneak. Then it was Morris running for a first down to the Dallas 30 at the two-minute warning. O'Donnell then hit Ernie Mills for a first down at the 20, and Pittsburgh called timeout. Next is right back to Mills. Next play, 17 yards, and they called timeout with 17 seconds left. At the six, O'Donnell then fired over in the middle of the fig pen for the touchdown, and the Steelers cut their deficit to just six points at halftime. Boniel kicked the opening kickoff of the second half out of bounds, and the Steelers got the ball at their own 40. Morris took a dump off pass for a first down in midfield. Then he pounded through a huge hole for 15 more yards, causing NBC announcer Dick Enberg to say, Oh my. Usually when Enberg would make that exclamation, something big would happen, but not this time. The Steelers ended up punting on the drive, and punter Ron Stark's kick went for a touchback. The Cowboys punted on their next possession, getting a 16-yard pass from Aikman to Urban, but not much more than that, so they kicked it away. The Steelers uh, had Cordell Stewart take a handoff to get to the 47 for the first down, and now they had a chance to take the lead, but O'Donnell completely threw it away by throwing the ball right to defensive back Larry Brown. What made this one worse was that Larry Brown was all by himself, with no Pittsburgh receiver anywhere nearby. Brown returned the interception to the Steelers' 18. Aikman then hit Irvin for a first down at the 2, and Smith ran it in for a touchdown to make it a 20-7 game. The Steelers then put together a nice drive, with Hastings catching a pair of passes to get to the 35. Mills hauled one in for eight yards, but then the Steelers faced fourth down again. Cower went for it again. This time, he called for a run by Morris. It was too predictable, and the Cowboys snuffed it out and stuffed them for a loss to turn it over on down. Dallas went three and out, and the Steelers started to build up some momentum. O'Donnell threw a 12-yard pass to Mills, then Morris ran for about five more yards to finish up this third quarter. So now we're in the final quarter, and Morris pounded up the middle, got a 12-yard gain. And then O'Donnell threw to Ernie Mills again, but he fumbled. But this time, tight end Mark Bruner fell on top of the fumble, and it was a first down for Pittsburgh. 
Mills hauled in yet another catch just shy of the first down, and then Thigpen caught a pass for a first down at the 21. The Steelers may have had a chance at a touchdown, but Charles Haley of the Cowboys came up with a clutch third down sack. That pushed the Steelers back to the edge of field goal range. Kicker Norm Johnson was accurate, though, and he nailed the 46-yard field goal to cut the deficit to just 10 points. That's when Cower pulled off one of the greatest sneak attacks in Super Bowl history. He went with an onside kick, which Norm Johnson perfectly pulled off. Defensive back Dion Figures recovered the onside kick, down the right sideline at his own 47. The Steelers were back in the game. Momentum completely swung in Pittsburgh's favor as Hastings made two catches for first downs to get it down to the 29. Mills caught one, but then he got hurt, so he was out of the game. Bam Morris ran the ball twice for first down, and then O'Donnell hit Big Pen for a first down at the five. So then on the next three plays in a row, O'Donnell just handed off to Bam Morris. And on the third one of them, Morris just walked right into the end zone for a one-yard touchdown. Suddenly the Steelers trailed by only three, 20-17. Linebacker LeVon Kirkland sacked Aikman, and the sputtering Dallas offense gave the ball back to Steelers on a punt. But just two plays into the new drive, O'Donnell completely threw the game away by passing it to Larry Brown once again. Just like the last one, there was no Pittsburgh receiver in the area. Brown ran it back all the way to the Pittsburgh five. Smith pounded it in for a touchdown two plays later, and the Cowboys took an insurmountable 10-point lead with less than four minutes left. After the two-minute warning, the Steelers got down to the Dallas 40 before O'Donnell threw four straight incompletions to completely end their chances. On the final play of the game, O'Donnell threw one last interception for good measure to defensive back Brock Marion, and the Cowboys came away with their third Super Bowl championship in four years. Larry Brown was named Super Bowl MVP for his two interceptions that completely changed the game. It's hard to say if there is any other Dallas player even in the running for the award. Sure, Emmett Smith ran for two touchdowns, but he had only 49 rushing yards. Aikman was accurate, yet he had only 209 yards and just one touchdown pass. Perhaps the second best player in the Cowboys was Charles Haley, who made life miserable for O'Donnell. Haley won his third Super Bowl ring with the Cowboys to go with the two he had won with San Francisco. That made him the first player in NFL history to win five Super Bowl rings. Of course, the recently retired Tom Brady blew that record out of the water, but that is the answer to today's pop quiz question. It was Charles Haley. The best player from this game you've never heard of is Dallas defensive tackle Chad Hennings. 
He was officially credited with two sacks in this game, and alongside Charles Haley and Tony Tolbert, he helped lead the Cowboys' defense to four total sacks. The biggest play of this game, well, that's obvious. Neil O'Donnell found that interception to Larry Brown on the drive when the Steelers were trailing only 20-17. to If O'Donnell could have avoided the turnover, the Steelers may have pulled off one of the biggest upsets in Super Bowl history. Uh, Neil O'Donnell, by the way, held the NFL record at the time for the lowest interception percentage in NFL history by any quarterback. So from the meltdown of the Super Bowl with three interceptions, that was simply unheard of. He's an easy pick for least valuable player. How about the best player on the losing team? Well, we're going to go with Andre Hastings, receiver for the Steelers. He came close to the Super Bowl record for receptions. The record was 11 at the time. He caught 10 for 98 yards. Hastings did all he could to help the Steelers come back, but his quarterback threw the game away. Finally, what was the biggest play that no one remembers? That would be Emmett Smith's first touchdown run. Why? Because it looked like on the replays that Emmett Smith did not get in to the end zone. Uh, Paul McGuire, one of the NBC announcers, uh, vehemently disagreed with the call, but the officials gave him the touchdown. There was no instant replay at that time in the NFL. What would have happened if the Cowboys had been unable to punch it in there? Well, that's a question we'll never know the answer to. For this week's homework, it's easy. I'm going with a book called Greatest Team Ever by Ron St. Angelo and Norm Hitches. This book looks into the reasons why the five-year span of Cowboys history from 1991 to 1995 was the best five-year stretch of any team in NFL history. It's hard to argue otherwise after seeing the statistics. Plus, the book has a foreword by Pat Summerall and an afterword by Roger Staubach. Seriously, it's about as good as you could possibly do in getting a foreword for your book so much that <laughs> Roger Staubach is <laughs> relegated to just the afterword because <laughs> you're forwards by Pat Summerall. Uh, that, that's a writer's dream right there. Next time, though, uh, we'll talk about my favorite team ever, the 1996 Green Bay Packers. Can they win Super Bowl 31 over the New England Patriots for their first NFL championship since 1967? The 25-year anniversary of this game just happened recently. Next time we meet, I'll be talking about Brett Favre, Reggie White, Leroy Butler, Antonio Freeman, and Desmond Howard. It's sure to be a fun episode. Um, it is probably going to be three weeks from now, not two weeks, because I'm obsessed with the Olympics, and that is all I will be doing for the next two and a half weeks is watching the Olympics, uh, which will be less than two weeks by the time this comes out. Uh, but 
In the meantime, you can find all my books at TommyAPhillips.com. Until next time, so long. Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Each week, the official Football Learning Academy podcast will take you deep into the history of pro football through interviews with players, coaches, or administrators in the NFL, as well as interviews with Pro Football Hall of Fame selectors, authors, and historians. You'll learn how the game evolved and important moments that shaped the sport into what it is today. And don't miss the Pro Football History Nugget of the Week. Listen to the official Football Learning Academy podcast on the Sports History Network. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.